Can your savings weather an economic storm? There are very few physical assets you can invest in that are proven to stand the test of time. Gold has withstood as a valued form of money for millennia. And Birch Gold lets you convert a retirement account into a tax-sheltered IRA and physical gold. That doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. Text COAST to 989898 and claim your free info kit on gold. Text COAST to 989898 and secure your savings today. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, Peter Ward with us. Peter, if this is the sixth mass extinction... Is there a time cycle to these things? Yeah, that was a great question, George. When I was a grad student, there were two great paleontologists, a guy named David Raup and Jack Sipkowski, and they did a bunch of statistical work and suggested that every 26 million years, there was another mass extinction. Raup was pretty convinced that what was happening is that we are being impacted by meteors or comets, if you will, or asteroids coming out of the, the big body of objects surrounding the Earth, that he thought that our planet was just going through this cloud and that this 26 billion year cyclicity was related to that. And subsequent work suggested that that's not really the case. I mean, back then, the geological time scale wasn't as well defined, and there's a number of ways and statistics that you can produce false positives, really, for what looks like a cycle. But clearly, we are having periods of time when really bad things happen, um, that we are subjected to impact in space. There will be more big asteroids hitting us. Sure. We've got so many challenges right now with so many humans and so much problem with climate and crops. The last thing we need now is some object in space. Strangely enough, too, George, one of the things that really scared the astrobiologists I was a member of back in the day, around 2000, is that even a body about 50 meters in diameter, uh, that doesn't sound very big, but it's got to be that big for a meteor to pass all the way through the atmosphere and hit the ground. If it's smaller than that, it creates what's called an airburst, and an airburst exactly mimics a nuclear explosion going off at altitude. So the big problem was we know something like this happened in 1906 in Tunguska in Russia. There was an airburst that knocked down thousands of square acres of trees. Had that happened over a major city, let's say we had an airburst over New York City or London, 
Everybody's dead. Well, not just that, but how do you know it wasn't a nuclear attack? And the biggest problem is that if this happens, and all of a sudden the military thinks we've been attacked, New York has been bombed by the Russians, quick, start shooting. How do you get hold of the military and say, wait a minute, that was a meteor, not an atomic explosion? You're right. Oh, you're right. Who are you going to talk to? Who's got the phone number? I mean, it's just one of these really scary what-ifs. But these things, these objects from space, they're out there. Do you think there have been some mass extinction events on other planets throughout this universe? Well, a great question. I would assume that if we had an Earth-like planet that had the same parallel evolution leading to more complex life, animal equivalents, that there's going to be the same sort of dangers that outer space can give you. Um, some of the, 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 my friends at SETI, Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, Seth, like our buddy Seth Shostak. Oh, boy. Seth is a good buddy. Uh, he, he calls me his evil twin Skippy. Huh. I tend to think he's the evil twin Skippy, but we've debated for years. We're close friends. It's very good. But SETI wants us to believe that there are lots of planets with lots of civilizations, and yet the most common stars out there are small dwarfs. Any planet circling a dwarf star to be close enough to have water is what we call tidally locked. Like our moon, same face, always facing the sun. Problem with that is is that small suns burp. They burp out radiation. You would have a transient solar event that would wipe out any life that was there, mass extinction. So, yeah, I think this is an inherent part of the whole system. Life is dangerous. Planets are more dangerous. Stars are the most dangerous of all. Peter, after the mass extinction, what causes the rebound? Well, opportunity does. Um, I, I almost hate to bring this up, but it's just, it's so heartbreaking to me, George, what's happened to Lahaina on Maui. Oh, my God. My, it's horrible. My favorite towns. I love Lahaina. And as a young man, I went there. It's just every decade or so, I go to Lahaina and the art galleries and the beach and the bubble gums and all the great stuff there, plus the whole local Hawaiian culture. That's gone. And so you're asking, well, what happens next? Well, what does happen next? And I saw that the governor of Hawaii said it's going to take several billion dollars to restore that part of even that part of Maui. Have they said have they said yet how that fire started? I've been trying to find that out. And it's either lightning or probably or probably somebody just threw a cigarette tossed it out of a window. I mean, that's what happens in Washington State. But as I looked into this today, George, because, again, the heartbreak is, is I just my, you know, my heart goes out to those people. I started looking at why there was so much fuel around. I looked at Australia in 2014, Adelaide, Australia, and the Australians are very cognizant and terrified of fire because the forests are eucalyptus, and eucalyptus is this beautiful tree. You can smell it all over California. You're in L.A., you lucky dog. You go outside, there's going to be eucalyptus trees all around you. But that very smell comes from an oil that's extremely flammable. Eucalyptus twigs and bark, they burn like crazy. When the Australians have fires, they are so dangerous and so fatal. And what I gather just from the reading today is that non-native grasses 
grass that did not exist in Hawaii until various humans came with all the products we bring. These non-native grasses have taken over all around in Maui and that they burn faster. Secondly, they've been having a drought. And thirdly, a typhoon several hundred miles just to the south produced enough wind. You get the spark, you've got the fuel, and you have the wind, and then you get catastrophe. So it, it is just from a human, from a nature, from just a cultural point of view. This is just tragedy. Mass extinctions are the same. They're biotic tragedies. And afterwards, people dig out. Afterwards, the survivors set about rebuilding. What will be rebuilt in Lahaina will not look anything like the town that was. No. Like on the planet Earth. Not at all. What rebounds after mass extinction, totally different kinds of animals. And sadly, they're finding more and more dead out there. Oh, it's just, it's just, I just don't even want to think about it. Devastating. You know, the, the, the fire in Paradise, California, I have friends all through there. It's one of my field areas. Chico Creek and Lassen Wilderness. Paradise itself, I know that town very well. And they were caught in cars. And just again, when you get fire and fast moving flames, um, it's, it's a recipe for tragedy. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think Mars once had life and then what happened there? I think Mars may have. I think microbial life is very easy to, once it starts, and I think it's probably, if you have the chemicals around, not that difficult for life to assemble itself from non-life, or we got life here on Earth, and an asteroid hits our planet, throws the rock in space, and lands on Mars, or life started on Mars and was set off to Earth. Either way, that planet's too small. It doesn't have the mass to hold an atmosphere. It's lost its atmosphere. If there had been life on Mars, it would have been probably 4.2 to 4 billion years ago. And then probably by 3.5, everything that was even close to complexity is gone. However, I think the first person you want to send to Mars, or at least on the same team, is going to be a paleontologist with a good drill rig. And you also want to have a microbiologist. Drill cores, send them down 100 meters. Get down beneath the surface and try to see if there's any microbes up in the soil. So we're all hoping. I mean, I don't want to be the only place with life in the cosmos. I don't think we are. But the various, what type of life it will be, well, that's a big mystery. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What about our moons? You you believe moons are critical for life. Yeah, it's interesting we have this gigantic moon and how important it's been, we think. Um, the book I wrote in 2000 with Don Brownlee called Rare Earth was actually a very interesting exercise for me. I've been mostly a paleontologist up till that time, and it forced me to get out of my comfort zone. So I only bring it up because Don and I have been asked to write a sequel to it after these 20 years later, and we're laboring through it. But what do we know now? And then you brought up Seth Shostak. Uh, I would love for Seth to write the introduction to this book. If he's listening or can get this, or if you know him, I mean, that would be a, a fabulous thing for us. Seth is a wonderful writer. But to have folks from, someone from SETI take a crack at this rare earth hypothesis of the, the best of all worlds, um, I still think that we're going to find lots of life in the cosmos, but that it will never be much more than very simple life, except in the rarest of circumstances. So the last third of the book, we are going to catalog the 100 closest planets to Earth out there by looking at all the information that we have. The exoplanets, from, I guess, right? Yeah, we, yeah, the exoplanets. So we're going to see these 100 closest exoplanets and create them on the probability of whether or not we think there could be animal equivalents. And right off the bat, you know, I'll be amazed if even one of those planets is Earth-like. It's, it's hard to find a good planet. We're, we're, we're rare, we're lucky, but uh, who knows? It may be all tied to spirituality. You never know. Well, I, I'm just, I, I, I do not believe that life is unique to this planet. How could it be? I mean, the cosmos is so gigantic. Too vast. There's so Too many vast. planets, so many stars. Um, that would be quite a strange phenomenon that life started on this planet and nowhere else. Panspermia, right? Panspermia, definitely. That's, that's such a great term. Yep, panspermia. We're throwing rocks from place to place. And as you know, there's two kinds. Interstellar, could life go from one star system to another? And that one seems hard, but Interplanetary? Absolutely. We know this. Great experiments. People have taken hunks of lava and actually they put them on the front of one of the Soyuz capsules that re-entered. They had a big hunk of lava. It had bacteria in the middle. It re-enters, gets really hot. They break the rock open, bacteria are fine. An yeah. asteroid could blast life from place to place, but it's got to be very simple life. Are extinction events controllable? Uh, that's a $64 question. I mean, it, if you look at the conservation movement, 
I would say that the major goal of conservation on the planet today is to reduce extinction. Can we do it? I don't know. I mean, big rare things are really hard to keep because there's so few of them and so easy to knock them off. One of the great tragedies to me is where I live. We had resident killer whales, resident orca, and there were 80 to 100 of them when I was a young man, and now there are only half that. And a big problem with that is that SeaWorld came and harvested this term they used, took about 45 of them out. And I just noticed that Lolita, the very last living that was taken in the 1970s out of Penn Cove in Washington State, is being brought back to Washington State to be released. How long, what's the lifespan of a whale like that? Uh, they last, what, I think it's 40, 50, 60 years. This is a very old whale. She was taken as a calf. So she would be very near the end of her lifespan. That's a long time, though. My God, 40, 50, 60 years for a yeah, but look, look, like that? Look, at, look at you and me. You know, if it had been 40, 50, or 60, I would be long dead. So me too. I'm, pers- I'm personally thinking I'm going to shoot in for this 90, 100. That sounds like good to me. I'd be doing a talk show up in heaven. At least I hope it'd be up there. Hey, you're already doing a talk show in heaven. We're on Earth. It is heaven on Earth. You're already, you've already achieved that. What do other scientists, Peter, say or paleontologists say about the possibility of extinction events? Do they, do they agree with you? Well, they certainly see it. The rock record is full of them. I mean, just the, the really big ones have, are the, the bookmarks of the geological record. We have these three great eras, the Paleozoic, Mesozoic, and Cenozoic. And even in 18.2 and 18.3 and 18.04, uh, these early naturalists were able to recognize these great big strokes. They're, they're huge disappearances that you can see from fossils themselves. So that's been long known. 200 years we know we've had these big things. The big question now is how extensive is what is happening on the planet today? How extensive will it be? How far will this right. go? And how long do they last? Yeah. Absolutely, that we don't know. What? The, the, let's talk about the rebound again. In this particular case, we didn't have humans during the last extinction. How quickly could we rebound? Yeah, great question. It's funny you say that. I mean, the coincidence of, of my being on your show today is interesting for a number of reasons. I just received a, a letter, as I do, an email this morning from an author. She wants to do a children's book. And she said, Dear Dr. Ward, I want to do a children's book about what life will be one million years from now. Can you posit what the future evolution of Earth life will be in one million years? Um, I actually did a book with my great friend, the artist Alexis Rockman, in the 90s, and we called it Future Evolution, and we tried to ask that question. If humans continue, and my own sense of it, George, is that we humans are about as close to extinction proof as an animal can be. Of course, the caveat of nuclear weapons, we can certainly wipe right. ourselves out. I have the hope that we're wiser than that. But even a million years, you know, most species can be produced in perhaps tens of thousands of years. But in a million years, you could have a lot of different types of life. So in our book, we ask, where are the habitats? What are the big places that life would have to adapt to? And I think you'll agree, two of the biggest habitats on the planet now are cities, 
but secondly, farmlands. I mean, there's what? Seven, eight billion people on this earth or soon to be on this earth, and we need ever more acreage for farms. Well, that becomes a gigantic ecological habitat. Secondly, cities getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so the question we ask, if these are two of the big habitats, and if we know that nature produces new species, what will be the successful species in cities? Look, we already see this. I'm living outside Seattle. I'm on a small lake. But we've got, you just have to put my head out and hear the coyotes. You in L.A., you can just get near the, the foothills. There's plenty of coyotes. Oh, sure. Cougars, coyotes. But the big successful things are like pigeons and crows and lots and lots of cockroaches and snakes because there's so many rats and so many mice that live in the crevices in cities. And think of our garbage dumps. How much resources are there for animals? And the garbage dump. And not just that. I've been to the Philippines, some of these gigantic garbage dumps outside Manila, where large numbers of humans absolutely exist on the edges and in these garbage dumps because there's so much food and there's so many resources to be home. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.